Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, I thank you for those who are here this morning. Lord, that they would have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Lord, that we would have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Lord, I pray over the message this morning. Lord, that it would speak deeply to us. Lord, that it wouldn't be spoken out of my bias and, Lord, not, not out of my own heart and my own words, but, Lord, out of your words, out of your heart. Lord, that we would always follow the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to focus on the message called the Living Church. The Living Church. The past few weeks, we have focused on two types of churches. Now, keep in mind that when I speak of the church, I'm not just speaking of this building. This building, four walls, and there's one four walls, but you know what I mean. Four walls and the people in it. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about church as a whole. It's not just this group of believers, but the church as a whole. It's upon those who call Christ their salvation. That is the church. Amen? I am a part of the church. We call on Christ for our salvation. I believe that he was born of a virgin. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. I believe that he is going to rule and reign forever. Amen. I am a Christian. I call myself a Christian. You call yourself a Christian. You are part of the church. Not just because we come to a building, but because we, we've made Christ the center of our lives. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, when I speak about the church or the different types of churches, we're not just speaking about us, but church as a whole. The first, the first week, we talked about the giving church. How many remember about the giving church? How the giving church is not just about what we put in the offering plate, but of what we give of ourselves. That it's not just about dollars in the offering plate and, and people talk about giving and, well, you know, the church is always talking about giving. We're not talking about money. We're talking about giving of ourselves. We're talking about the intents of our heart. Talking about that you have a service that God wants you to use. Because we were not made to be served. We were made to serve. We were not made to be served, but we were made to serve. And you say, well, Pastor David, I'm not very good at some things. That's okay. Remember, we talked about the widow with the two mites. She didn't have much, but she gave her all. Say, well, I'm not very talented in music. Yeah, but you can probably hit a drum, can't you? Well, I'm not very talented in music. No, but you can sing a little bit, can't you? Well, I'm not a very good singer. We'll put you somewhere else. It's okay. We need people in the sound booth. By the way, guys in the sound booth, thank you so much for what you do. Not just this week, but every week, there's people in our media ministry and sound booth that, that make everything possible here. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Dave, thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you do. We love you guys. Thank you. People who, people who, who give. People who give, not out, of, not out of just out of their excess, but anything they have. Anything they have, they just, I just, I have to give. The giving church. We talked about that. We looked at that. It had to do with the intent of the heart. 
Then we then last week. Who was here last week? Woo! Last week was a tough one. Last week we talked about the growing church. How do you remember we talked about the growing church? We looked at 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter, the call was a call to holiness. That as Christ followers, we can't just do what we want whenever we want. Don't shout me down. We can't just do what we want whenever we want. Amen? We can't live any way we want. We have to be growing and maturing in our faith. When we talk about the growing church, we're not talking about the number of people that come, but the people inside the church that they're growing in their faith. We want them to be maturing in their faith. That who you were before you come to Christ and who you are after you come to Christ should be vastly different. Who we are before we come to Christ and who we are after we come to Christ should be different. Remember, we talked about this, that you, how can you go from death to life and there be no difference? How can you go from death to life and there be no difference? And you say, well, Pastor David, aren't we supposed to just come as we are? Yes. Yes. The Bible says come as you are, but it's very clear that when you encounter Christ in your life, you should not stay as you were. We are to come as we are. That old life of living in sin. We talked about that old life of living in sin. First Peter talks about it about sleeping around and shacking up and having drunken parties, and those things should be gone from our lives. That those things should be gone from our lives. If we call ourselves a Christian, we don't take part in these things. See, to be a Christian means to be a Christ follower. Amen? To be a Christian means to be a Christ follower. But there's a lot of people today calling themselves Christians who are not really Christ followers. They could be self-followers. Not really Christ followers, but sex followers. Not really Christ followers, but worry followers. Or feeling followers. And here's a dangerous one. Culture followers. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be known as a Christ follower. To be a Christian means to follow Christ. I want to be known as a Christian in every sense. Amen? Do you want to be known as a Christian in every sense? Amen. But keep in mind that Peter is not speaking about imperfections. Peter's not requiring perfection here. Peter's not speaking of imperfections. He's, he's not speaking of people who mess up and... Repent. Say, God, forgive me. I want to live righteously. No, he's not. To, he's talking about people who unashamedly live a lifestyle that is continuously sinful. The people who claim to follow Christ, but consistently ignore the word of God. And I know that's not comfortable. That's not a comfortable word. And people will say, you know, Pastor David, I don't want to hear that stuff. But it's the truth of God's word. And we will not apologize for it in this church. It is the truth of God's word. But Pastor David, can't you just preach on something positive? That's what people will say. Pastor David, can't you just preach on something positive? Can't you just preach about God's love? Yes, I can. His word speaks to us out of love. 
The Bible speaks to us out of love. Out of love, it tells us to stop living in sin and to strive for holiness in our lives. Out of love, it tells us to stay away from the fire. Out of love, it directs us away from hell. Out of love, it directs us towards righteousness. That is out of the love of God. Not out of my words, not out of my thoughts, because honestly, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. Let me, let me inform you in case you didn't know. It doesn't really matter a whole lot what you think either. It matters what the Word of God says. We say, well, Pastor David, you don't understand the culture that we live in now is, is going this way and, and they're more free with this and more free with that. It doesn't matter. What does the Word of God say? Because that's what we're ultimately going to be judged by. I remember when I was going into high school. You know, how many remember when you first went into high school? How many remember that feeling of being overwhelmed? That feeling of, man, am I going to fit in? Am I going to be, I mean, I, am I going to be friendly with people? Are they going to be friendly with me? I, was, I remember the feeling of being overwhelmed when I went into high school. And somebody pulled me aside and said this. For the next four years, high school, we entered in ninth grade and left at 12th grade. For the next four years, you're going to try to impress and make friends with, and, and you are going to try to, to be everything to everybody so that nobody doesn't like you. You're going to try to fit in, and you're going to try to impress all these people. You should know that after high school, you will never see 95% of those people again. That 95% of those people that you're trying so hard to impress, you will never see again. So don't care about what they think about you. I want to live as the Word tells me to. Not based on, uh, it's a hard thing, especially in the world today. What are people going to think of me? What are people going to think of us? What are people going to think of this church? Let me tell you what I want people to think of this church. What I want people to think of this church is that we follow after the word of God, that we, we love them unconditionally, that we want them to come as they are, but we want Christ to change them. That is what I want people to think about this church, that we love this community, that we love this, this area, that we love Esterville, that we love the people that are surrounding it, but we're going to preach the truth of God's word. Amen? Amen. We talked about the growing church. This word speaks to us out of love. Paul said it this way in Romans. He said, so since we're out from the, uh, the old tyranny, does it mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. There may be some people here this morning bound to pornography. Bound to it. You say, Pastor David, why would you say that? Because it's what I felt the Spirit of the Lord saying to me. 
that there may be people here this morning bound to pornography. Since we live, since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything we want that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience, there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. There are some people who are slaves to pornography. There's forgiveness for you here this morning. There's love and righteousness for you here this morning. There is grace and mercy for you here this morning. If you are a slave to something to a sin in your life, there is grace and mercy at the cross this morning. Amen. But offer yourselves to the ways of God, and the freedom never quits. All of your lives you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you've started listening to a new master. One whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. It's a loving God that desperately desires you to live according to his word and not our own desires. But that was last week. Amen? Boy, I'm glad I don't have to preach that again this week. (laughs) I just did. This week... I want to speak about the living church. We spoke about the giving church. We spoke about the growing church. I want to speak to you about the living church this week. What is the living church? If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to take you into the book of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible, and probably the most scrutinized book of the Bible. Revelation was authored by the Apostle John, And it mainly consists of visions that he received while exiled on an island called Patmos. Everyone say Patmos. What a cool name. Patmos. At some point, we will dive into the intricacies of Revelation. That is not what we're going to do today. At some point, we will dive into the intricacies of Revelation and how it speaks to Christians regarding the future. But for today... I want us to look at some of the churches that the Apostle John addresses in Revelation. He writes specifically to seven churches. In seven churches, he doesn't, and we're not going to cover them all today, but I do want to cover just a few. And the first church I want to look at is in a place called Sardis. Sardis. It's referred to as a dead church. This place in in Sardis is referred to as a dead church. So our first point about the living church is this. A living church is not a dead church. Right? It, It should be obvious that a living church is not a dead church. Amen? So let's go to the scripture here. Revelation 3 and verse 1. We're going to cover this very quickly. That to the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. It appeared to be alive. It had a reputation of being alive. In other words, it looked spiritually vibrant on the outside, but inside it was dead and lifeless. 
It had the reputation of being vibrant on the outside. But it was spiritually lifeless. The church was Christian in name only. It was Christian in name only. One man said it this way. The appearance of the Sardis church is that of a beautifully adorned corpse in the funeral parlor. The appearance of the Sardis church is that of a beautifully adorned corpse in a funeral parlor. But the Lord is not deceived. How many ever saw the movie Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> how, many, how many ever heard of it? How many have ever heard about this movie where there's a guy that dies, but these guys, uh, and I've never actually seen the film, but I know parts of it. I've read synopsises of it. Synopsis of it. I guess that's the right way to say it. But, uh, but these guys, uh, this guy dies at this party, I suppose it is, and they have to pretend that he's alive for the weekend. And so it's a comedy, and it's a kind of a dark comedy, I suppose. But he dies, and they take him water skiing, and, and they do all sorts of things. <laughs> they have to pretend that he's alive for the whole weekend. He looks alive, but really he's dead the whole time. He's dead. And it's funny. It's a comedy. And, and, and it, was, it was a long time ago. And it was like in the 80s or something like that. Long time ago. 82 or 83. 82 or 83. Let's see. Jeff, how old were you in 82 or 83? 18? Bob? <laughs> you, were <laughs> you were 83 years old in 83? How old were you in 1983? That's okay. 50? I was three years old. I was a cute baby, too. Older than, you're older than me? Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't preach on that, should I, Bob? Weekend at Bernie's. They had to pretend that he was alive the whole time, even though he was dead the entire time. And it's a funny comedy, but isn't that the way some churches are? Oh, don't pull out, don't pull out your shoes there, the, the hard-toe shoes. There's some churches that are dead that look vibrant, that look alive. There's churches, and some people will say, oh, I know churches like that, Pastor. Boy, I know some churches like that. In fact, Pastor, I know some people like that. I want to say this clearly, that that is not what the Bible's for. The Bible is for us to hold up and look at ourselves. Let the Holy Spirit of God speak to us. Let the Holy Spirit of God speak to us. Why? Because we need revival in our own lives. I say, oh, pastor, oh, I know who you're talking about. When you're preaching, I know exactly who you're talking about. I'm talking to you. And I'm talking to me. The Bible is, is for us to hold up. It's the Holy Spirit change me. Not to point it at others. Say, the Bible says, get right. Now, the Bible says, 
Holy Spirit, change me. Holy Spirit, deliver me. Holy Spirit, set me free. Holy Spirit, help me to live in righteousness. Help me to open up my word and have it speak to my very soul. These people, these churches, these places, they need revival. How do they get revival? How, how can we get revival? Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If my people, if my people, will humble themselves and pray. God, forgive me. Forgive my sin. Heal our land. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I love that. The dead church needs to be revived. And we need revival, amen? Amen. The living church. Point number two. The, the first was the living church is not a dead church. Point number two. The living church is a persecuted church. You say, well, hold on, Pastor David. What do you mean that the living church is a persecuted church? What does that mean? Revelation chapter 2, start with verse 8. We're speaking to a different church now. We first spoke to the church in Sardis. Now we're speaking to the church in Smyrna. I like that name, Smyrna. There's a town in Georgia where we live, and it was called Smyrna, Smyrna, Georgia. It's different. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write this. The first and the last who was dead and has, and has come to life, that would be Jesus Christ, by the way, says this. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested, and you will have a tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. The living church is a persecuted church. Why is the living church a persecuted church? Because a living church is actively battling against the enemy. A living church is actively warring against the enemy. And when you are warring against the enemy, he is going to war against you. 
A living church is a persecuted church. What does that mean? It means they're going to talk about you. They're going to talk about us. They're going to call you names. They're going to call you out. The living church is a persecuted church. Listen, we don't know a whole lot about this in America, but there's places in the world where you are killed for your faith. There are places in the world right now where churches, where people are gathering, have to meet underground so the government doesn't know that they're meeting. Because if they catch them, they will kill them. They will torture them. Are you prepared to be tortured for your faith? That's a tough one. Are you prepared to be tortured for your faith? If I started to go into the different torture methods that they use on Christians in China and the different torture methods they use on Christians in Africa, would you be so willing to accept Christ? Would you be so willing to come to a church service? A living church is a persecuted church because a living church is actively warring against the enemy. I anticipate attacks. I anticipate attacks. Why? Because I know that we're doing a good work here. I anticipate attacks. I don't always take them all that well, but I anticipate them. How many know that when you are doing what the Lord has called you to do, you have painted a big red target on yourself? And that the enemy is going to try to take you out every chance he can get. How does he take you out? He will try to present things to you you know you should not do. Oh, but man, just look at that girl. I know she's not my wife, but boy, is she good looking. Boy, just look at, the, just, just look at that thing that, man... And you will get tripped up. And you will get messed up. No, I don't need to go to church today. I know the, the Bible talks about being, having fellowship with believers, but man, I, I'm just so tired. No, we need, to, we need to wake up and put on our armor. We need to wake up and put on our armor. We talked about the growing church. We talked about people maturing, about people growing up in their faith. That we, we, don't, we don't want to send babies into war. We want adults, we want, we want mature Christians to put on their armor and fight the battle and not be distracted. Because at times, everybody gets distracted. Everybody. There was a pastor, a well-known pastor, very well known. He has a, has a uh, TV ministry and, and ministers to a lot. In, in fact, it doesn't matter. His name is Dr. Uh, James Robinson. 
James Robb, a fantastic minister, and he shared this openly, that he was ministering one, one Sunday, and as he was, a woman caught his eye. A woman caught his eye. And it wasn't just, well, she's an attractive woman. It was, he started to think about things. And he started, as he was preaching, he kept, his eye kept being drawn to this woman. And he started thinking more and more about the things he could do with her. And pretty soon he said, my mind was overtaken. As I was ministering the gospel, my mind was being overtaken by this woman who was distracting me. He said, it was after that service, I had to sit down for a little while. I had to take a step back and make sure my armor was secure. I had to just take a step back, just just make sure my armor was reinforced with prayer and with the Word. We have to make sure our armor is reinforced this morning. Amen? Amen? Why? Because we are preparing to go into battle. If you are not already in a battle in your life, I'm telling you, it's coming soon. If you are a part of the living church, if we are a part of the living church, if we are doing what God has called us to do, then be prepared for battle. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You say, well, Pastor David, you don't understand. My neighbor came up to me, and you wouldn't believe what that neighbor said to me. Boy, I could have just punched them out. Come here, Eric. (laughs) I'm not going to punch you out, Eric. Boy, Pastor David, you would... Eric came up. Sorry, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, I'll be gentle. Yes. It's okay. I didn't realize you're so fragile. It's okay. Oh, sunburn. Okay. That works. Eric says something to me, and boy, I just get in a huff. I mean, I mean, he says something truly offensive. Truly offensive. What does the Bible direct us to do? <laughs> Turn that cheek. Right? He says something to me, and, and you know what? Mike, hold this. I'm going to punch someone. <laughs> and, I, and I just get huffy about it, and I just haul off, and I just wallop him one. We have to understand that sometimes unbelievers are being used by the enemy to try to trip us up. Hey, <laughs> Sometimes believers are too. Come on. Come on. That they're being used to trip us up sometimes, to step in our way, to get us upset, to get us riled up, to get us messed up. It might not even be something angry. Maybe it's a good-looking girl that walked in front. Come on, guys. Maybe it's a good-looking man. Ladies. And all of a sudden, you start thinking, well, I know I shouldn't be with them. 
I know I, I know I shouldn't be with Eric, thank you very much. I know I shouldn't be with that person. I know I shouldn't be with that person. But I'm just so lonely. I know I shouldn't be there, but I'm just so lonely. Make Christ the first love of your life before you make anybody else the love of your life. It will strengthen your relationships. It will strengthen your marriage. You say, Pastor David, why are you talking about this stuff? I don't know why I'm talking about this stuff. I'm to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. We need to pray against those things in our life. We need to pray against those things. Eric comes up to me and says, boy, you, you so-and-so, blah, 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 and, and makes me want to haul off and, and hurt and punch and hit him. I have to remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness and spiritual places. I have to remember that I have to get on my knees and pray, God, in the name of Jesus, stop letting that person be used by the enemy, and I'm going to come against him and war against them in Jesus' name. Against the enemy, not against the person. That person needs love. That person needs Christ. That person needs to get right in Jesus' name. We want to bring them to that place of salvation. But we are going to war against the enemy of our soul. We are going to war against the enemy of our soul. Have you put on your armor this morning? The living church is a persecuted church. We live in a culture that is continually giving in to the enemy. We live in a culture that is continually giving in to the enemy. And the truth of the Bible goes against the lies of the enemy that are being fed to us on a consistent basis. The lies of the enemy are being fed to us on a consistent basis in ways we don't even think about. Ways we don't even think about. I have to be careful about what commercials my children watch now. I can't just turn on the Disney Channel and walk away. How many of you know what I'm talking about? No, because the messages being pushed are not godly messages. The messages that are being pushed forth are not messages from the Bible. The truth of the Bible goes against the lies of the enemy that are being fed to us on a consistent basis. The living church is a persecuted church. Why is that? Because when we stand up for truth and righteousness, and holiness, do not expect people to love you for it. Expect people to hate you for it. Because right now we live in a culture of tolerance. We live in a culture where it doesn't matter who does what to whoever, we have to love and accept and appreciate and not just love and accept them, but we have to support that lifestyle. We have to support them. And you say, well, Pastor David, aren't we supposed to love and accept? Yes, we want people to be loved and accepted by the grace of God. We absolutely do. 
But I'm not going to love someone straight to hell. I'm not going to love someone straight to hell. You say, Pastor David, are you talking about homosexuals? That's one thing. Now, let me tell you this. One of my very best friends in the world is a woman named Kelly. I love Kelly with all my heart. She is living in a relationship with a woman. They have a child together. But I love her with all my heart. Her and I would have lunches together and we would laugh together. When, uh, her, when her partner is, uh, is a runner, uh, she does marathon running, and she was in the, she was in Bo- or she's done the Boston Marathon before. And during the Boston Marathon bombing, afterwards I called Kelly. I said, hey, is she okay? I want to make sure she's okay. And she said, yeah, she, thank you for calling. She, she's fine. She didn't decide to go this year. I said, oh, thank God. Why? Because Kelly knows that I love her. I love the woman that she's with. I love the child that they have together. But she also knows that I live according to the word of God. And she knows that out of my love for her, I share the gospel with her. And I will talk till I'm blue in the face. And she will talk till she's blue in the face. She knows I love her. But she also knows that I will not compromise what the word of God says. As Christians, do they know that we love them? We want to be known by our love, amen? Out of my love, I say, you got to get this right. Not out of, not of you got to get this right. No, you got to get. Kelly, come on, you, you know what I'm talking about. you got to get this right. I love you. We need to minister out of our love for people. But we cannot compromise what the Word of God says. We cannot compromise what the Word of God says. When we preach the truth, we have to preach the truth in love. Not out of our own bias, not of where the culture leads us, not of where our feelings lead us, but out of where the Word of God leads us. If we are not preaching out of the Word of God, we are in sin. I refuse to do that. When we stand up for holiness, for truth, for righteousness, do not expect people to love you for it. Expect them to hate you for it. And that is painful. It can be, that can be extremely painful. Because why? Because we love them. But we don't want to see them go to hell. We don't want to see them live in unrighteousness. So we tell them the truth in love. We tell them the truth out of the, out of the word of God. We don't, want people to, we don't want people to die in their sins. So we preach to them out of love. It doesn't mean we love them any less. It doesn't mean we show them less love. It doesn't mean we, there's people that will bully and intimidate and hurt and abuse. But out of our love for people, Amen? 
Verse 10 says this. I like this. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. This brings us to our last point this morning. The living church. First, the living church is not a dead church. Second, the living church is a persecuted church. The third thing is this. The living church is a faithful church. Revelation. John writes this uh, to the church in Philadelphia. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. He's saying this to the church in Philadelphia. He's saying this to, and you should know something about this church in Philadelphia. This church in Philadelphia is known as a faithful church. The church in Sardis is known as a dead church. The church in Smyrna is known as a persecuted church. The church in Philadelphia is known for its faithfulness. And so Paul, I'm sorry, John writes this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut, because you have a little power and you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I have put before you an open door which cannot be shut. Because while you have a little power and have kept my word, you have not denied my name. Some people have some open doors in their lives this morning. Do you have an open door to minister to your neighbors? Do you have an open door to minister to your coworkers? How many have an open door to minister to their spouse? How many have an open door to minister to their children? Behold, I have put before you an open door which nobody can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. He will make them know. You, you, Pastor David, you don't understand. These people that have come against me, these people that have come against my ministry, these people that have come against my walk, you don't understand, Pastor David. There's so many people that have come against me. But behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan. What does that mean? The church of Satan. People who are being used by the enemy. People who are being used by the spirit of Antichrist. Those people who are being used to go against you. Those people who are being used to go against you. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. That he has loved you this morning. Keep going. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing. That hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. 
I like that. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Hold fast to what you have. What does that mean, Pastor David? I mean, what, can, can you dig into this a little bit? What does that mean? Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. That means that I'm going to hold fast to what I have so that no one will take my crown. I need to make it simpler. That I have to hold fast to what I had. That when the enemy comes against me, it doesn't matter in what way he comes against me, I'm going to hold fast to what I have. Kobe, come here. Come on. How you doing? Good. What's in your pocket there? Keys? Kobe has keys, right? Kobe, these keys are your salvation. Hold fast to them. That when the enemy comes, uh oh. Hold fast to him, Kobe. Well, there's that girl. There's that, there's that opportunity to steal. There's that opportunity to look at pornography. You know, I don't need to witness to that person. It's all right. I can skip church this morning. It's not that big a deal. I know God's directed me to give, but I'm okay with just sitting in my chair. Uh-oh. God bless you. Sit down. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'll fix it if, it, if it's broken. <laughs> Woo! Hold fast to what you have. Amen? So that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, that means he who does hold fast, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go down out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God. I want the name of my God written on me. I want to be known as a pillar in the temple of God. Amen? And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven and from my God and my new name. And then he says this, and I love this part. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's very interesting because when John speaks to every church, every church, he speaks to a persecuted church. He speaks to a dead church. He speaks to a compromising church. He speaks to the faithful church. He speaks to seven different churches. And after each time, he says these words, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do we have an ear this morning? Do we have an ear this morning? Do we hear 
what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. That the living church is not a dead church. That the living church is a persecuted church. But the living church is a faithful church. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. Lord, you have led me down some paths in this message and sermon that I did not know you were going to lead me down. But I thank you for the leading of your presence. Lord, I pray that the the people who are in this church would be strengthened and encouraged and lifted up. Lord, that they would grow in their faith, that they would grow in their giving of themselves, that they would grow, that they would be a part of the living church in Jesus' name. That they would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying. God, give us an ear to hear what your spirit is saying so that we can speak it clearly to those who are listening. I pray over each person here this morning, Lord, that you would give them opportunities this week to minister to those around them. Lord, that you would open doors that nobody can shut and shut doors that nobody can open. That you would guide our paths. That you would lead our footsteps. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, that you would keep them. Lord, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. Lord, that you would give them rest and that you would give them an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Have an awesome week. And we'll see you next week.